Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. I am thrilled to have on for the first time ever, uh, two guests at once, uh, Paul Geller and David Guillaume, who are the producers and the educator behind Kabbalah One, which is a masterclass utilizing the principles of Kabbalah. Now, I know that, thank God, I have a wide listenership. So um, these people, you might you might ask, you know, you're an Orthodox rabbi, you're having on, uh, you're having on the Kabbalah Center. There's all kinds of. There's been a lot of political discussion in the past, etc. Um, what really excited me about my guests and about this experience is, first of all, the universality of Jewish concepts and ideas, which is something that I I promote all the time. And I think that the basic concepts of Judaism, um, and you know, call it mysticism, call it Kabbalah, they're they're out there, and everyone can benefit from learning from it. So this is a very different way. You can learn a lot about marketing from this this interview about how to pay more attention about what your what your clients or customers, the people that are coming to you, what they actually care about, as opposed to promoting your own agenda, and also about how people can be really idealistic and and make a big impact on the world, and how a lot of times we can all go back to the same sources and find a tremendous amount of commonality between who we are and what we all need in order to make ourselves feel good and whole and 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 growth oriented. So no further ado, I think you will thoroughly enjoy this conversation with David and Paul. Uh, I am so excited. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me. I have Paul Geller on and David Guillaume. Paul is the chief marketing officer at the Kabbalah Center and has put together an amazing program where David is teaching um, called Kabbalah One. And we're going to get a little bit of the backstory. So gentlemen, let's get started. How did we, uh, how did we come to where we are today? Paul, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, well, I came to Kabbalah through a, a, a series of uh, comedy and errors. Uh, I was raised really secular. My mother was Catholic. My father was Jewish, but neither of them practicing. I grew up in a, in a town called Coral Springs in Florida, which is very close to Boca. Um, probably best known now, unfortunately. For old uh, Jews? I'm sorry? <laughs> I was going to say for old Jews, but probably right. something else. But there was also something terrible that happened there. <laughs> much worse. It's the neighbor. You know, we're the sister city to Parkland, which was made famous a little over a year ago. Um, so that tragedy in Parkland uh, was very close to um, close to my neighborhood, and uh, and and a lot of the people that I work with grew up there as well. Um, I uh, I was a musician as a, as a kid and an entrepreneur from a young age both as a producer and then building websites when I was really young. I sold off most of my businesses as I grew. And uh, I have to say, I probably had a, uh, I had a great, I was brought up really well. I had loving, loving parents, but I suffered from depression for most of my young life. Um, my sister as well. My sister suffered from borderline personality disorder for many years and uh, turned to drugs uh, after two attempted uh, suicides, she finally succeeded. And then shortly thereafter, my father uh, fell sick with, um, with a pancreatic cancer. And that kind of 
that I don't want to characterize it as tragedy, although of course that was a very heavy period. Um, but that is what set me on my journey towards spirituality. And I think a, a lot of people come to spirituality through loss and that was certainly my avenue. Um, but I had no understanding of religion. I had no desire for religion or spirituality. And it was only through happening upon an old friend of mine some six years ago who saw me in this pretty reckless state uh, that I found, um, I found my teacher David and the Kabbalah Center and the teachers there. And from there, uh, the rest is history. Uh, I was working in politics and technology and finally after, um, I was working for Mayor Bloomberg when he was thinking about running for president in 2016. Uh, when he decided not to, I accepted a position at the Kabbalah Center, and that has um, that has changed my life. First as a student, and now um, now with the ability to affect millions upon millions of people on a daily basis. Amazing, great, thank you. Okay, David, what's your story? Uh, short version of it is, I think I was 15 years old, and uh, I also had no desire for religion or structured uh, even spirituality of any kind, and. Uh, I was going through some amazing things in my life, nothing tragic, all positive, but probably a level of responsibility that a 15 year old shouldn't have. And I had an uncle that said, you gotta go to a Kabbalah class. I said, no, I was very reluctant about it after he kind of pushed me to it. After my first class, it, it kind of changed my life. I, I saw, even though I was 15 years old, I saw, wow, these are the secrets to life. I'm, I'm listening to secrets about life. Didn't feel religious. It didn't feel dogmatic. It didn't feel like I was being pressured into uh, being someone that I didn't want to be. It was really just rules of how to live life to tap into miracles and fulfillment. So for five years, I, you know, I went to school, I had a business, I, I did many different things. Um, and then when I graduated, I graduated university pretty early in my life, around 19. I said, well, either I'm going to go to grad, graduate school where I'm going to, um, but in my heart, I felt like Kabbalah is so powerful. It's completely changed my life. I want to maybe be more involved and to teach. So I joined as a full-time volunteer around that time. And I started a, a path towards helping bring Kabbalah to the world. I, I got to travel the world. I've, I've been in every city in the United States, probably twice. I, I don't know what the number is, probably given over a thousand live lectures and uh, probably over 20,000 hours of personal one-on-one -on -one coaching because from morning till night, that's pretty much what, what my, uh, my mission was. My mission was I, I, I got the privilege to just focus on my passion, which is to help people throughout the day and then to teach classes and seminars all throughout the world. And I've been doing that for the last, I would say about 16 years now and um, started in Los Angeles, moved to New York to the Kabbalah Center there, moved back to Los Angeles and have been working with Paul and an incredible team to bring this wisdom out to the world. There's so many lives that have been changed that people wanna give back and people want to have the rest of the world experience spirituality, right? It's like, it's the spiritual side of Judaism. And as, a, uh, as being raised Jewish myself and feeling very disillusioned with not getting enough out of it. You know, I wasn't getting enough out of it. I was connecting to these high holidays. I was having traditional Sabbath services, but I didn't feel anything in my soul in a deep way. So Kabbalah helped reconcile that and bring me the spiritual aspect of it. It's so powerful that I, we were talking about it. I would say non-Jews 
people who desire spirituality also crave to learn Kabbalah. I've given lectures and seminars in churches and mosques, and I've had people of Catholic faith for many, many years. Like one woman, she was 80. She said she was Catholic her whole life. She said only from her first Kabbalah lecture did she understand what the creator is, what God is, and how to connect, how to connect in a real way to experience miracles. So that's, that's my personal story. That's beautiful. So perhaps we'll, we'll dive into a little bit. Hopefully we'll get some classic, um, we'll, get, we'll get some of those teachings. I was curious, religion, it sounds to both of you, was something that was either, from David's perspective, oppressive, and from Paul's perspective, um, non-existent or, or largely irrelevant, and certainly not something that could help you while you went through the extremely difficult challenges and travails that you went through in your life. Do you see it, it like, how is it, how is it different? Or if a person says either I'm not Jewish, I want to learn about this. Like why would they want to learn about it? Or if a person says I am Jewish, how does that fit Kabbalah versus Judaism, religion versus, you know, obligation? Are there certain things that a person's supposed to do? How does that work? They're very, very good. So the, there's so many ways I can answer this question, but I try to look at it as, you know, we started a Kabbalah One course, let's say, you know, every, every couple of weeks um, here in Los Angeles. And you have 100 to 200 people come into this room and they're curious. Nobody really knows what Kabbalah is. They've heard about it. They've heard it here. The rabbis have said maybe something good or not good about it. The non-Jews are just open and kind of curious. They've heard it from their friends. So they're all coming in, skeptical but interested. Literally, after the first hour that they hear what Kabbalah is, and I'll explain it in a moment, they're, they're, they're just enamored. They're like, wow, I felt this my whole life. I want this. Usually by the third class, I, I, I share with people that their lives totally change. And it sounds like a bold statement, but the reason is because when you come to Kabbalah, what you're really learning is according to the deepest level of Torah, the system of how to live life, the, the why you're in this world, why do things happen to you? Tools and tech, spiritual technology of how to handle challenges, all according to the Torah. So when I was raised Jewish, I was never given tools. I was never given practical life tools, a system of how to make decisions in life. Nobody ever told me what my purpose was. Telling me my purpose is to be a good Jew doesn't really mean anything to me. And from you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of people who've come to our classes and walked through our doors, I speak with a lot of Jews who feel either disillusioned or feel maybe that they love Judaism, but they're craving something more, right? And that's why we actually see a lot of Kabbalah now everywhere. It's not just at the Kabbalah Center. The Kabbalah Center was the pioneer that said, you know what, we can study Kabbalah. There was a, you know, there's always this myth or this ban that there was a ban on, on spreading and teaching Kabbalah for, for thousands of years. Uh, and there's different historical uh, anecdotes about it, but one idea was that about 500 years ago, that ban was lifted, and the, the, the sages said that people should be able to learn the spiritual side of Judaism, because that's how we're going to bring people to, together, and not just Jews together. What Kabbalah does is it creates almost like a universal spirituality. It helps all religions connect with each other, and that's what we've seen. So my, my Jewish students all of a sudden start to fall in love with Judaism I, or appreciate it more, my non-Jewish students finally have a relationship with the creator. And believe it or not, even the non-Jews start to do different mitzvot from the Torah because the mitzvot were just given to each one of us to transform our nature, to be like the creator, to receive miracles. 
So that's kind of the short of it. So when you go into that life purpose thing, how does that work? Very simple, right? We, we basically learn that the creator, God, however you want to put it, we, we say that the creator is this universal positive energy. And the creator created all the souls of humanity, which is all of us here, as a vessel to receive this, this energy. In Kabbalah, we call this energy the light, the light of the creator. Because that's what the word the sages use also. The idea is that this light has all the happiness you're looking for. Fulfillment, your soulmate, prosperity, peace of mind. Everything that we all desire in life is in this light. The problem is people don't feel connected to this light. They feel empty. Like, kind of like Paul said, he had everything. He had success, popularity, uh, some level of fame even, wealth. But you still feel something's missing. You feel empty on the inside. That connection to the light force is what we're all looking for, all souls of humanity. And it's very simple. We can't get this light for free. We would not be able to enjoy it. So the way life is set up is we all have to earn the light of the creator. And how do you earn the light of the creator? You have to transform the negative qualities that you came to the world with, fears, um, uh, anger, jealousy, all these qualities that we don't like about ourselves, that our soul came to the world with. We are supposed to transform them. And by transforming them, we start to access more of the light of the creator. That's really what the Torah is telling us. It's just that the Torah is so coded, it's very hard to really understand what we're being asked to do. So Kabbalah just breaks it down into the simple explanation of how to access the light of the creator. Which is through actions, meaning that, that a person ultimately... I guess you could say, and maybe Paul chime in here as the, uh, as the marketing, as the marketing director that I think that there's a certain, that we, we don't think about how to articulate the values of religion in a contemporary way. I, I spoke with a, he was a, he worked, he worked for, I don't know, he's, a, he's very involved in the Christian world, but he's like a, an innovator for NASA and all these kind of things. And he was saying, it's the same thing. He says that the, the churches are empty because people don't really understand what what the goal is so maybe speak about if you could uh paul a little bit on in terms of what you're working on where the marketing behind religion has fallen apart sure i, I actually think that that's relatively easy um you know all that we hear about when we think about religion in terms of mainstream media lots of negativity we, we hear only the bad things because the good things are very personal when you, you know, to experience something great from spirituality, and I'm going to substitute that word for religion now, um, when, I, when we think about spirituality, really the deepest connection, the most meaning comes from it on a very personal level. When I, I was very reluctant to start working at the Kabbalah Center. In fact, I, I'm still reluctant to make, you know, to make the idea of like raising money to build something uh, that, that just has never been easy for me, that idea. And even when I was in working in politics, I always had a hard time taking money and putting it towards something that I believed in. Why? Can I ask? I, you know, on some level, after some introspection, like money feels dirty sometimes. And only through Kabbalah did I find that like these physical aspects of the universe are important. That is, you know, money is just energy. And the only thing that dictates whether it is good or bad is what you do with it. So if you use 
your, your financial wealth or your, your integrity or your platform to do great things, then it, 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 almost, it doesn't matter that you're using material to do it, right? It's, we an accel don't it's an accelerator of means. It's an accelerator. That's an incredible way to put it. Um, and until I had a good, something good to do with my time, something that was actually helping other people, uh, I was not feeling good about what I was doing. And I was doing fun things. You know, I helped to build a music streaming service. I helped building technology that has, has, you know, is now runs a lot of the ways that we search for homes online, MLS services. Um, I even got, worked for a public interest group that was doing things like um, defending Uber and Google against censorship and things like that. So very like pointed, um, capitalistic things. And in a lot of ways, I come from a very liberal background. Those all seem very positive. I never felt bad about what I was doing, but I didn't feel that I was able to use my skills and my gifts in a sharing way. I was just doing what I needed to do to make money. Uh, when I, when Michael Berg, uh, our boss, um, uh, approached me about helping to build this masterclass, it, it was perfect for me. It's technology, it's spirituality, and it's delivering it to people where they are. And I don't mean physically where they are. The beauty of what I found in Kabbalah, especially in, in learning from David, like he said, by class three, I was, I was all in. Uh, by class four, I was calling my mom. And I'm ready to convert. Um, but the, the reality is, is that people need to be spoken to in a language in which they, they, they can hear, they, they can listen. It's not always about the, the Torah. It is not always about reading scripture. You need to help people activate what is inside of them to do good for the world. And that's where we reach our fulfillment. This was, is just part of my journey. I was built to build technology and I was built to talk about it. And now I get to do it for something that is going to bring incredible beauty, peace, and I hope unity to everyone that takes these classes. That's fascinating. So to, to, to sort of speak that out a little bit more as well, the, um, the idea that Organized, I guess you could say the organ. People use the word organized religion, and it does have a very, in a lot of ways, it, it dirty. It's it's a dirty word, um, and even associating yourself in a lot of ways with with a religion or with a political party nowadays is just kind of labeling yourself so that other people can dismiss you. And I think that the challenge, therefore, becomes for us to sort of look and say, well, what really is good here that is actually going to work? Because I think that because the marketing has gotten so bad and people have just like, you know, you're, you're welcome to be part of our club if you want to be part of the club, but no one's going to reach out and actually try to, to grow you. You've seen people essentially become disenfranchised, but there are a lot of universal values. Um, I'm curious, David or Paul, when you say, and this is an interesting question, this concept of, of converting, right? This concept of like Judaism versus Kabbalah. Where does that work? Is it different? Are they different words for the same thing? Is there like a separate movement that we're working on? How does that work? <laughs> no, I, I would say, I would say definitely not. Uh, definitely not different words for the same thing. When, when I when I said like convert, it's because I found myself diving deep. I through Kabbalah, I really began to understand the beauty of Judaism. But 
you know, I'm glad I didn't do that, right? I'm glad I didn't convert. And the reason for that is because it allowed me to see that, you no, know, what, what we're teaching, and in fact, the universal truth is a, it's a strand, it's a string that, that goes through all, all true religions. You know, Christianity is, is a part of that tradition. Catholicism is a part of that tradition. Um, even in a lot of ways, agnosticism and, 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 and very agnostic science, cosmology is still a part of that tradition. And I love science. I love cosmology. I love physics. And I found inside of the study of Kabbalah a link for all of those things. The, my closest thing to Kabbalah for, as a spiritual path was Buddhism, you know, yoga. And when I realized that the tree of life, the Sirot, was equivalent to the seven sacraments of uh, Christianity and the seven chakras, um, I, I realized that we're all in different ways speaking the same thing. And that type of unity is something that I have a, a tremendous desire to bring to the world. It has, it, it's, it's been hidden and it's been preserved inside of Judaism, but it's also been preserved inside of other religions too. And my goal as well as I, I, I believe David's is, is to bring that to everybody in a way that they can hear it and digest it and make it their own. Anything, David, what do you think about that? That was a great answer. It was a great answer. And you know, I get this question all the time. Usually in class, somebody raises their hand and say, okay, wait, so is this Judaism? What's the difference? What's going on here? You know, you're wearing a yarmulke, I, it's confusing. So, you know, it, it, there's so many ways to answer this question. And I tell people, look, you know, all of this wisdom is based on Abraham. I say, was Abraham Jewish? Like if I ask a rabbi, I say, was Abraham Jewish? Rabbis would say, yes, of course he was Jewish. But what does that mean? If you asked Abraham, are you Jewish? He wouldn't even know what that word means, Jewish. Jewish came later. Abraham, for whatever reason, was chosen by the creator to bring this wisdom a wisdom of how we can all receive miracles. Because the word Kabbalah means to receive. So that really was the original goal. Abraham was to bring to all the souls of the world a spirituality, a wisdom of how to receive everything in life, which is what we're all looking for. But to receive everything in life, you have to work for it. You have to earn it. You have to really work on yourself, on your consciousness, on your behavior, on everything. You have to go deep inside your soul. You have to uproot the negativity that's there so that the creator's light can come in. You follow that lineage of Abraham and, and his sons and Jacob, and eventually you get to Moses. We're all following this lineage. Moses had the same task. Moses' task was bring the spirituality to the world. He brought it through the Torah. Even then, the concept of Judaism, it's not like it was today. Whoever learned from Moses, whoever learned from the written and oral Torah on Mount Sinai, they understood the secrets to life. These people could perform miracles, not like today. We, we are only a fraction of what they were. But back then, they understood everything. They understood the secrets of life. Do people, let me, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Okay, so let's, I, we don't, we're, we're just meeting each other. I, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I grew up as a very, um, I grew up a very liberal uh, Jew in Northern California, uh, raised to, you know, a family of feminists and, and, and very familiar. I decided I want to be a rabbi later in life. Um, and uh, then I found Orthodox Judaism when my wife, who's Hungarian and grew up completely unaffiliated, started looking at the, my reformed Jewish background. She's like, I don't really know what this is. Went on an Orthodox trip and she's like, this is amazing. There's tons of spirituality. I love it. I'm in. I'm like, you're totally crazy and nuts, right? <laughs> And whatever, so that that's that's sort of a you know in a, in a nutshell. But the interesting question is, 
when you're dealing with a room full, and so, so that my personal bias has always been that I don't want to be labeled the crazy religious fanatic. So I'm, sure. I'm going to have to explain how it works morally and physiology wise and in terms of, you know, the psychology of Judaism. And again, you're reading through, you know, Tony Robbins and, and a bunch of these like people that are major thought leaders nowadays. And you're like, oh, that principle, that's actually a Jewish principle that you're saying, you know, starting the day off with gratitude, um, the idea of, 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 of feeling, you know, a tremendous appreciation for what you have in your life and focusing on the good. These are all like Jewish concepts. Um, so the question is though, as a teacher to largely, let's, I don't want to say it's secular, because I, again, I think secular also is a terrible misnomer for what people are, for, for, for a crowd of, of modern people that don't necessarily see themselves in theory, subscribing to ancient ritual and religion, do you find it difficult to make a statement like that where you say to people like, you have to know that you know the rabbis in the Talmud or the rabbis that 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 or the, the Jews in Mount Sinai that they were that they you know they lived off of you know miraculous miraculous food for forty years. Are people going to buy that? I don't have to tell them any of that. Here's the beautiful thing: I don't get into any of that in the beginning. In the beginning, okay. we teach people the nuts and bolts of how energy works in this world. Okay. Immediately, everyone from any background feels a sense of truth in that. They feel a sense of unity. They feel what, they, what they're hearing is they heard Tony Robbins. They've heard Eckhart Tolle. They heard, you know, the, the, all these courses and miracles and different things because they're all truth, right? They're all aspects of truth of what we came to the world to do. But they've never been able to connect it together in a system, in a lifestyle of how to live it all the time. So, so Kabbalah does that. It brings it all together. And everyone's like, well, that's what I was looking for. So later in later down the path, then we show them how it correlates to the Torah. Ah, so you would if say you the Torah say, in too quick, it's a big turnoff for people. Right, because it scares people. So what you start by doing is helping a person buy into it, and then you say, you know, actually the real master is this person from you know, all, all these exactly. cool things I'm telling you, it's actually right there. And it's that's so what they love. They love that because you know, the rabbis used to always say, you shouldn't study Kabbalah until you understand the Torah. It's quite the opposite at the Kabbalah Center. You will never understand the Torah unless you learn Kabbalah. You learn Kabbalah, then you'll appreciate the Torah, then you'll appreciate Judaism, you'll appreciate Christianity, you'll appreciate everything after you learn Kabbalah. That's the power of it. Um, do you find, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, I got a lot of questions, it's great. Um, so a, a fully self-actualized individual, Paul, David, please feel free to weigh in on this concept. So what I'm hearing is that there's a couple of different components and I'm curious how this works out for you. This mostly a personal question. So on one hand, there's this concept, we call them in Hebrew, midot, these character traits that if I have negative character traits, it's gonna block me off. My ego is gonna, is gonna make it hard for me to see you know, other people, spirituality, et cetera, my jealousy, my, my, my need for power on the flip side, the, my, my desire for giving, my, my ability to be thankful, my ability to see the godliness in other people and other things and stuff like that, that's going to open me up more. That's one step of the practice. You have to be teaching people how to adopt a more, I guess you could say, spiritually focused, positive-based mindset, which is going to then open them up to better energy. That's one point, right? One aspect of Kabbalah, yes. Great. The next aspect would be, and I'm curious, and again, I don't know, you'll tell me, um, also part of like what I, when I speak to people, in my case would be someone who's Jewish, non-Jewish, whatever it is, there are certain rules, like certain commandments that also 
open you up and make you more spiritual, so to speak, um, which, which kind of depend on who you are and where you are in life. Does that figure into what you do as well? Or like, what depends is on what you mean. Give me an example of a commandment. So for, let's, let's say, um, let's say if we were going to go um, as a, so not non-Jews and Jews alike are, are prohibited from stealing. Okay. So if we say there's a commandment that is, you know, that, even if you love to steal, so to speak, and you're growing tremendously and you're doing a great job, you still are going to have to eventually, if you want to completely break through and to become the most like the creator in order to receive the most vessel, you're going to have to work on that, you know, prohibition against stealing. Is that, do you buy that or not necessarily? Correct. Now, here's the thing. Someone loves to steal. If I tell him not to steal, it's not going to work. No one's going to listen to me. Let's say I meet a guy and this happens and and he's having an affair. He's having an affair, right? He loves his wife, but he's having an affair. And now I'm going to come in and say, hey, come on. The Torah says you shouldn't have an affair. Wag your finger or, at him. You know, or make him feel bad about it. Or right. make him feel guilty. Far from it, actually. For sure. So what we learn in Kabbalah is we have to go to the root of the issue. We have to go to the deep part of it. Why is he having an affair? It's because he wants energy. And he's not getting it in his marriage. He wants, he craves a, a deeper connection, whether it be love, whether it be intimacy, whether it be respect, he's not getting it at home, you know, whatever it is, right? That's why he's looking outside his marriage. Yes. So what we're going to help this person understand is I'm going to help him see, look, you don't want to have an affair. You're just doing it because it's the only thing you know how to do right now to get more right. energy. I'm going to show you a system. It's like drugs, smoking and drinking. It's all the same stuff. Like it, it's, it's all the it's, same. Stuff. Everything draws energy. Right. So, right. so I'm just going to say, look, you can do what you want to do. But I'm going to also show you an alternative system of how you can have more. Are you interested? Who doesn't want to have more? Of course I want to have more. Then I'll give them some steps spiritually from Kabbalah, according to the Torah. Whether he realizes the Torah or not, doesn't matter right now. And he's going to start applying it. That's why within the first three weeks, people feel so much more energy than when they felt when they were stealing, when they were felt in their affair, when they felt when they were doing all their negative things. And then it's very easy. They say, wait a minute, I want this energy. This feels so much better than this other energy. That's all it is. The negative energy. So, so what, what, I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, just to, to reiterate, you're saying that, for, again, and I think this is from a marketing perspective also, if you're dealing with someone that wants to get in better shape, you don't start by saying, you know, you can't have brownies, you're a bad person for having brownies. You say, you know, do you want to feel great? Try the broccoli for a couple of days, you know, maybe with the brownies or whatever it might be. Eventually, you start to realize that, you can expand and you say, no, really, I, I get more pleasure. A per, you know, again, I look at, you look at an athlete or someone that naturally has a healthy lifestyle, they're not in pain that they're never eating brownies. They're fine yeah. with what they eat and they actually would rather not eat the brownies because they're so addicted to how good they feel when they're eating healthy food, so to speak. Is that, so I think it's just a, what we're saying is basically exactly. it's a marketing shift as opposed to any, any real actual practical difference. Exactly. This is why they've concealed Kabbalah for so long because it is so potent. It is like the raw naked energy of spirituality. And that's why you don't need that much of it. And I tell people who come to the first class, I say, look, you give me three hours. All I need you to do is study for three hours. Even, I mean, there are smart people in this class. There are successful people. There are Fortune 500 CEOs who are taking this up. Therapists. Uh, I just got invited for... 40 business coaches around the world, they wanted a Kabbalah presentation and they learned it and they're like, wait, we've been teaching 20, 30 years executive coaching. We've never heard this before. Three hours is really all a person needs to let go and trust for them to feel and see how great it is compared to everything else maybe they've learned. Or I shouldn't say that, I should say how great it is. 
what Kabbalah will do is finally connect all the dots of everything they've learned in their lives. So yeah, in the beginning, there has to be some level of trust. Like you said, I tell people, I'm not going to judge you for what you're doing. I'm going to show you something. I want you to roll with it for a couple hours and tell me if that's better than anything else you've ever done. And people usually will say, okay, I'll try that. Uh, costs virtually nothing. And then they experience the, the magic. It's very transactional. We, we, we don't have to convince people to believe in anything. We right. simply have to show them how to see those results. Yeah, all people have to do is take the first class, by the way. We, we don't, all we have to convince people to do is to be open to listen to the first class. After that, it's pretty much done. Yeah, it's funny. In my own, in my own religious journey, it was that, it, exactly like you just said. It's the, it, there's, a, there's a famous Jewish book called Strive for Truth. And, and the concept is, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, do you want to find out what's real? And, and, or do you want to kind of, you know, hang on to your, your reality? Right. And as soon as you make that commitment where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to open up my mind and hear something, usually then it's, you know, then if the, then if the presenter sucks and it's kind of, it's on them, but being exactly. able to, to build that and perhaps because the world is so destroyed. I mean, you know, for so many years, like, you know, Paul's a, is a wonderful example. Probably David, you're the same way. It's like, you know, all, most of our ancestors never imagined having enough food, having enough opportunity to, you know, to, to live that they, that we're all, they're always focused on, on just trying to achieve that minimal living and not, you know, get hacked to death by random, you know, marauders that are coming through the countryside. Whereas by us, we've done that. We usually do it at a young age and we still feel completely empty, right. you know? So it's, so it's, so it's really fascinating. If you look that that's could be why at the most, high levels of society and the, the upper echelons of people. You could have a guy that has multi-million dollars in the bank and he's married with kids and everyone's healthy and he's got a six pack and whatever you want. Right. But, uh, but at the end of the day, he feels like it's nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I and mean, people don't want to be told what to do anymore. People want to be shown a reality that they can choose. I think that that's what's really, especially millennials. I, we have so many millennials, young people who are taking Kabbalah, you know, early twenties, even teens, King, they're very connected to their soul. This generation is very close to their soul. You know, the things that used to impress us when we were growing up don't impress them. And they're all looking for a truth. You know, when someone told me, oh, I'm Jewish, I'm, I'm part of the chosen. I said, what do you mean I'm chosen? Just that concept alone makes me separate from everyone else in the world, me better than everyone else. That, that, that can't be what the creator is. So then later when I learned Kabbalah, it doesn't mean that you were chosen. It means that you choose. Because when you choose, you become an Israelite. When you choose to be spiritual, you become Jewish or however you want to put it. But you have to make that choice to want to be with the light of the creator. So definitely there's something happening now in this world that everyone is craving a broad understanding of life, not just a weekend, a warrior weekend where tell me how to break one fear. I've seen that people come back high and then three days later, they, they fall right back into their own negativity, their doubts, their fears. People need a consistent system. They need support. They need community. They need friendship. And that's kind of the spiritual lifestyle that we're talking about. I, I look at millennials, which I, I am one. I was born in 1982. D David, I think you still count it. You count I, as I'm still climbing as a millennial also. I was born in 83. I thought we were out of it. But, no, um, you're a millennial. I'm 84. Nice. All right, great. Well, there you go. Yes. You're a millennial. And, and what you, 
if you think about our generation, right, we have everything, especially as Americans, right? We have everything at our fingertips. We have all the information we could ever desire. We know how Elon Musk is building his next, you know, his, his Mars rocket ship. We know all of this and yet, and yet less fulfillment, more debt, more, um, more, more people living lives that are not making them happy. We have everything. You can start an internet business. You don't even, as a millennial, you don't even need to go out and get a job. You can have an idea and $100 and set up your Shopify store and buy your domain and drop ship everything from the internet. You can become a millionaire in a matter of weeks. And yet, we are still one of the least happy generations uh, ever, ever. So what, what, is the, what, what are we looking for, right? We've reached all of these different levels on, you know, you can look at Maslow's hierarchy, right? But we've reached all, we, we, can, we have food, um, you know, we have we have food and we and we have we have intelligence and we have family and we have community we have all these things but we haven't but we're still missing that that top right how do we get to that place where we feel fulfilled and what does fulfillment feel like does it mean uh, i need a relationship and i'm you know I, I just need to be married or i i need to have kids every time you reach a new level of fulfillment you feel empty again. And the, the secret that, that I found is to look at that emptiness and realize that's not emptiness. That is the bottom rung of the next ladder. And you just keep climbing and climbing. And that is the truth of life. If you know, if you know what the wisdom is trying to tell you, if you know that there isn't a plan for yourself, for all souls, then you can't help but be happy in the moment and that that that's what everyone's trying to learn it's just that we have to be taught in all these different ways everyone needs to be spoken to in a completely different language we're all so beautiful and so unique but we need to learn these lessons delivered by in different mechanisms beautiful guys i feel like we can go on for for hours but uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it now um david or paul whoever wants to do it tell tell our viewers or listeners how people can find out more about what you're doing your projects kabbalah one etc we built this masterclass, kabbalah1.com. It's just kabbalah-one.com. Um, if you misspell it, it'll probably still come up in the search results anyway. Um, and uh, from there, you can take, you can try one class on your own time, or you can binge and watch the entire thing. Uh, probably in a weekend, we had people finish it in, in 48 hours. Um, and then we had people, you know, take the full 10 weeks to finish own pace and you know I, I guarantee you will either change your life or we'll refund the money it's not you know we're donor operated so uh we we only make money for the sake of being able to promote it a little bit more widely yeah and, and just so people know some of the concepts yeah they're all live classes that were professionally recorded and some in-studio classes a couple minutes long but the concepts that people will learn are how to handle challenges how to handle confrontation the meaning of relationships why people are going through what they're going through and you start to really just understand so much about yourself and why you came to this world. So right away, people will have tools of how to handle life and to bring miracles into their lives. Beautiful. And if anyone wanted to be in touch with you guys, do you have a social I, platform? Sure. You, you can, you can only find me on Instagram at Paul Geller, okay. um, but you can also email me. You can also email me, uh, Paul at Kabbalah1.com. Yeah. People, people can find me on Facebook. It's just my first and last name, David, G-M-G-H-I-Y-A-M, both Instagram and Facebook. Amazing. Gentlemen, thank you so much. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. 
And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.